Welcome to Abiding Hope, a ministry of Hope Community Church of Waynesboro. And now, here's Larry Roberts and Pastor Glenn Holman. Hello to everyone. I'm happy to welcome Glenn back for our next podcast. How are you doing, Glenn? It's great to be here, Larry. It's always good to be together with you. And I'm excited tonight. We're, we're discussing uh, Exodus. We're at the beginning of Exodus, chapter 1, verses 1 through chapter 2 through 10. Um, and the subject tonight is is waiting. Uh, if you don't mind, Glenn, allow me to, uh, to start us off with a quick word of prayer. I'd appreciate it. Thank you. Heavenly Father, Lord, we're so thankful for this time together in examination of your word and the time and fellowship. We pray, Lord, that you would open the hearts and minds of those who are listening tonight and that you would help each and every one of us to receive your word and to understand how you are calling each and every one of us to action. Thank you, Lord, for your presence in our lives, for the forgiveness of our sins, and, Lord, for watching over us as we go about our, our daily lives, seeking to glorify you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, Glenn, this is a, a long passage, so I'm not going to read that passage. Let me just summarize really quickly what this is related to. It tells us of the, the time in Egypt when the Israelites endured great hardship and oppression at the direction of Pharaoh. Joseph and his immediate relatives were long since passed at this point, and a new king of Egypt did not know him. The Israelites had continued to multiply in the land, causing Pharaoh to become fearful should they decide to rise up against them. So he directed that taskmasters be imposed to force their labor for Egypt. Despite this, they continued to prosper and multiply, and so the harshness of their oppression increased. During this time, Pharaoh directed midwives to begin killing the Hebrews' male newborns while leaving the females alone. Fearing God, the midwives did not follow the commandment of their king. Pharaoh then ordered all Egyptians to carry out his command to kill the male children of the Hebrews, and it was into this environment that a deliverer was born. Throughout this time, and for still decades to come, the people of Israel called out to God to deliver them from their oppression and slavery. Their calls were heard, but God would answer in his own time. So Glenn, there are two elements to this story that I find striking. The first is the incredible patience required of the people and the level of trust and faithfulness they must demonstrate day after day, month after month, year after year. So let's begin with that. What can you tell us of that patience, the concept of waiting on God and how it relates to our lives today? Thank you, Larry. I think, first of all, I think if we asked anyone here, most of us don't like waiting. In our culture today, we, we live in a time when we want everything now. Mm-hmm. And so waiting is difficult. It's challenging for us. It's frustrating for us to have to wait. And so uh, developing that fruit of patience uh, is a hard virtue to come by, a hard fruit of the Spirit to come by. And yet uh, the Israelites, as they were being oppressed, had to be patient. And they had to be patient for a long time throughout their lives. And for us today, we need also to exhibit that fruit of patience uh, in our daily lives. When things aren't going our way, when we feel frustrated, when we have to wait for something that we don't like to wait for, even if it's waiting for a Uh, Diet Coke in the Wendy's line, we don't like waiting. So uh, 
at any rate. I, I just think that <laughs> yeah, patience is important. <laughs> important for all of us. Well, it's particularly difficult today, I think. You know, we're, we're living in a culture of high-speed Internet and immediate gratification, and uh, it, it's difficult to fully appreciate what the Hebrews endured. I mean, even for someone born at the same time as Moses, mm. they would have had to continue to withstand such suffering and oppression for another 80 years, Amazing. almost a lifetime. What can Christians do today to prepare themselves to faithfully wait on God? I think one of the, the biggest virtues that, that we need is the virtue of humility, of being humble, that, that my life, especially as a follower of Jesus, is not my own. Mm-hmm. I, I belong to the Lord. And so when we put ourselves in that place, when we are subservient to the Lord, when we are recognizing that we are his servant, then we acknowledge that uh, waiting isn't necessarily a horrible thing. Mm-hmm. And also I think that it comes down to trusting, mm-hmm. trusting to know that we, we believe in a God who is all-powerful, omnipotent, and we believe in a God who is all-loving, who cares about us, that even when we are going through difficult times, like the Israelites were, that we can depend upon the Lord, that we can, we can wait upon him appropriately. I love the, the text in uh, Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 31. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. faint. How, how wonderful it is to know that even in our waiting, that our strength can be renewed. Truly. Well, there's, there's another element of this story that strikes me, and that's the fear that dominates Pharaoh's actions. I mean, he seemed to be driven to take this action because he was fearful of what it mm-hmm. meant for the Hebrews to have such numbers. And not simply the Pharaoh that initially imposed this slavery upon the Hebrews, but as, as many as five different Pharaohs from the beginning of this policy until Moses' return to free the Israelites. Why do you think, and, and this isn't just related to the story, but why do you think that Acting on fear causes such tribulation. Well, bottom line, fear is the opposite of faith. Hmm. Sometimes we think about doubt being the opposite of faith, but really fear mm-hmm. is the opposite of faith. When we're fearful, it's hard to be faithful. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I love what uh, John, the apostle, writes. He says that perfect love drives out fear. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, we acknowledge how much that our God loves us and cares about us. When we do that, and when we're faithful, and when we're trusting in the Lord, when we're having faith in Him, when we're forsaking all and trusting Him, mm-hmm. it is then that uh, the fear is set aside. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, it's, it's interesting to me because the fear seems to be such a basic human emotion that, uh, at least in my life, uh, it seems to have motivated me to do certain things at different times in my life. Sure. Is there a role for fear in our faith? I mean, does that make sense? Yeah. I, I would say, well, there's, there's a healthy fear. Mm-hmm. There's the fear of God, mm-hmm. which is an appropriate kind of fear that uh, causes us to realize that our God is, is fully, uh, that he's all-powerful, that he's awesome, that he is omnipotent and omniscient. He knows all things, and uh, he's all-powerful. 
and yet he still loves us. And when we rest in him, when, we're, when we fear him, when we are in awe of him, then we're in a good place. That's really a good place to be. So fear of God, that, that awe of God, is more of a reverence. Yeah, I, I like what uh, John Piper says about uh, the fear of God. He said, it's when we acknowledge that God is so powerful and so holy that you would not, that you would not dare run away from him, but that you would run to him. That it's that, that's the kind of fear that you have. Mm-hmm. When you acknowledge who he is, you run to him. You don't run away from him. So it's not a, not an, a phobia kind of fear, like I'm afraid of snakes or I'm afraid of spiders, but it is a, a reverence and awe that we have for a holy God mm-hmm. and that we are drawn to him. Mm-hmm. You know, I was intrigued when I was reading this passage, and again, this is Exodus 1, 1 through 2, verse 10. But I found it really interesting that the, the Egyptian midwives resisted the commandment of their king because they feared God. Mm-hmm. Now, would they have known the God of the Hebrews or would, have they, or would they have witnessed the devotion of the Israelites as they called upon their God in the midst of their oppression? I, I think the latter. I think that mm-hmm. they, would have, they would have been aware of the Israel, especially the, the women. They would have knowledge that these people have a genuine understanding of a, of a, a God who is totally other, who is wholly other. And uh, they would have, they obviously had some respect in that, mm-hmm. for that. And so uh, I think that it truly was the God of the Hebrews. It wasn't one of the Egyptian gods. Mm-hmm. Even Pharaoh at that time would have been considered a god mm-hmm. at that time. So there were multiple Egyptian gods, the Ray God, the God of the sun, and so forth. So many different gods at that point. Uh, so it's, the issue was the fear of the God, mm-hmm. the one you know, monotheistic, the God, mm-hmm. the God that we worship as followers of Jesus. Well, that's that's an amazing statement to uh, the power of mm-hmm. their witness through their faith in their God. I mean, what should we as believers and followers of the way of Christ understand the power of our witness, especially to others that might be observing us? And there are, and that's so important for us as followers of Jesus, to be aware that people are watching. They're watching us when we're in a grocery store, they're watching us when we're out in public at various events. They're watching, our neighbors are watching us to see how we respond. People are even wanting to know how we respond when we're waiting, when we have to wait. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, are we, are we impatient? Are we, are we exhibiting the fruit of the Spirit uh, of all of those in our lives? If so then uh, people have a reason to be attracted to us. Mm-hmm. And it then improves our, our witness. That's not to say that we're gonna, not going to be perfect. We're all going to make mistakes. We're all going to fall down. But bottom line, people are watching us. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and for me, it's you know, living in the times that we live in now, uh, it seems particularly challenging because we see so much going on that is contrary to for example, how I was raised in church and, and how people should be thinking about the difference between right and wrong, because that seems to be a, a confused subject these days. Um, but I found it interesting that in Moses' time, in particular in this passage, um, 
you know, the name Moses itself was uh, an Egyptian name yes. given by Pharaoh's daughter to him. Um, and it's clear that God was using Pharaoh in the midst of all of these tribulations and all that was going on. Pharaoh was actually playing a role in God's plan. Absolutely. Um, you know, what's really challenging for me, seeing what we see in our culture today, uh, is trusting God that all of the things that are happening that are so difficult for us to deal with right. are actually part of God's plan. God's it's, sovereignty, mm-hmm. that God is sovereign over everything. And that's hard for us to understand. Even even the things that seem um, totally out of character with God, God is sovereign over them. doesn't mean he's causing them, but they're happening and he's sovereign over them. He's He is in control, uh, totally. And so really, whatever happens, no matter how much it might challenge us, mm-hmm. we need to appreciate God's role in it because he is in control. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that's the bottom line is we think about these uh, Israelites and the burdens that they were carrying and how they were being oppressed and the challenges that they were facing as a people. The amazing thing about that is remember that they started at the beginning of chapter 1, there's like 70 Israelites, mm-hmm. and they're continuing to multiply. Mm-hmm. God is at work in that process. And that's why the Pharaoh and the leadership of Egypt become so threatened mm-hmm. by the kind of power that they're going to have. And that's obviously why they want all the boys killed, because of uh, they don't want them to multiply like they are. Mm-hmm. And yet, whatever they do, they continue to increase. They continue <laughs> to grow as a people. Well, one last question, Glenn. Does trust in God produce endurance for us? I think absolutely. Hmm. I think the, the more we learn to lean upon the Lord and trust Him, uh, the, even the challenges, the difficulties, the struggles that we will have to endure in this life, are going, they're going to make it. It reminds me of uh, one of my dear friends, a discipleship brother that I had, that uh, in his early 60s was diagnosed with cancer. And I, I watched him um, grow even stronger in his faith, having to endure all of the challenges of cancer, mm. watched him really grow as a believer and even became a stronger witness in, through mm-hmm. that process. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think God can use, use us and, and help us as we learn to rest upon him and to lean in him, lean into him. Well, Glenn, thank you for your time tonight. Thank you for your for your wisdom. I wonder if you might be willing to close us in prayer. Absolutely. Lord, we are so grateful for the privilege we have to gather in your name. We thank you for your presence with us, and we pray for everyone who's listening right now that you would be close to them. You know the struggles that they have. You know the kinds of things that they're waiting upon, and I pray that you would give them endurance, and I pray that you would increase their faith day by day. And we pray all these things in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, brother. We hope you found this message encouraging. For more information, visit HopeChurchWaynesboro.org.